Welcome to the Waves Ministry Podcast. My name is Caroline Hare, and I'm the founder of Waves Girls Conference. We have girls conferences for girls ages 12 to 22 in the States as well as internationally. Our mission and vision is to encourage and equip young women to start making waves for Christ in their homes, community, and in the world. We hope that through this podcast that we can bring messages and words of life, wisdom, and hope through the Word of God, life issues, and help girls know their true identity and calling. Hey girls, we are so excited to be talking about this topic of bold, brave, and beautiful, talking about Proverbs 31. And this month we've had different guests on that I believe are Proverbs 31 women. As I've watched them live their lives and um, conduct themselves, I just have seen uh, just the fruit of the Proverbs 31 women in, in these women. And so today I'm really excited to have a friend of mine named Kelly Godwin on. And uh, she actually, we met through one of my previous students who, he was at Troy University. She's a professor at Troy and was teaching a women's leadership class. And I've had the, the joy of being able to go join their class the last couple semesters. But just want to welcome you, Kelly. I'm so happy to be here. This is such an honor. because I love always hanging out with you to begin with, but then talking about this subject is super exciting for me too. Yeah. You know, girls, I wish me and Kelly lived in a city that was closer to one another. Um, <laughs> because sure. I feel like if we did, like we would hang out, but, um, but we get to talk here and there from time to time and such, but I am just so excited to have you, but I want you to just take a minute and just share a little bit about yourself. I know the girls are going to get to know you in Destin in October because you're sharing in a couple of our breakouts, but go and tell about yourself. Yeah. So, okay. This is, I have a couple of different layers to my life here, but um, I'll, I'll start with really my professional life because I think obviously that's how I ended up here on this podcast. But um, I went to law school. Um, I graduated in 2008 from Regent University in Virginia. And I always knew growing up that what I was called to do, I started, I mean, I, I realized this at 15 that I was, I was called to advocate for children. I knew I loved kids. I was interested in the law, but I never, um, I couldn't figure out until 15, like how I was going to merge those two things together. And it was when I was working at a daycare and encountered some one little girl in particular who was abused. Um, I missed a huge opportunity where I could have really say, I mean, not, I don't, I'm not going to put that responsibility on my shoulders so much as saved her life, but it felt like that. It felt like I missed a huge opportunity because I knew in my spirit something was wrong and I didn't do anything. Um, I went to the, the head of the daycare and I said, I think something is going on. She's acting out sexually at school. She was a three-year-old. She was a precious child. And they said, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. Well, I started doing my research because I am um, God has given me a heart for justice for sure. And I am typically not settled when I'm told no, I don't stop there. <laughs> so, um, I started digging and I started realizing because I didn't come from an abuse home. I came from loving parents and people always ask me, how did you get interested in this? If you weren't abused? Well, I do truly believe that God put this calling on my life. And so I started digging and researching as to what abuse looked like and what symptoms and signs were. And, um, I determined at that point, I said, this is never going to happen again. I'm never going to come across another child and have an opportunity to make a difference and not take it. And so I started, I mean, I had tunnel vision for sure. I went 
knocking on doors. When I was 16, I started knocking on doors of different ministries and different organizations and asking how I could help. And I think most of them saw an overzealous teenager that um, (laughs) couldn't do them much good, basically, until I found one organization in particular that took me in and allowed me to really grow my wings there. I eventually became their spokesperson when I was in college. Wow. And then I went on to law school. Um, again, I had tunnel vision there. I said what I wanted to do. I surrounded myself with people and mentors um, that I could really learn from and grow from and uh, model my leadership and how I practice law after them too. And then when I graduated, I was offered my dream job right out of the gate. I was, I'm from Alabama, but <laughs> was um, scheduled and signed up to take the bar in New York because it was just my dream to live in New York. My mother is from there and that's just where I was going to go. But then I was offered this job when I had not even applied for it, which again was another God thing right out of law school. And, and that was to be a prosecutor on a statewide level for the family protection unit for the state of Alabama. And so I quickly changed my bar schedule to taking it in Alabama, came home, took this job, um, had an incredible almost 10 years there um, where I led the family protection unit. I then transferred to the violent crimes division where I was, I was this, my specialty obviously was child abuse, child sex crimes, child pornography. Um, and I did that for almost 10 years. And then um, my husband, who at the time was a professional baseball player, he played for 10 years. Um, we struggled to get pregnant. It was always my dream outside of even my job. It was my dream to be a mom. I always tell people I wasn't one of those people that dreamed of being a wife or, or a, having a wedding. I dreamed of how it would be to be a mom. And um, we struggled with infertility for a few years. And we were told we had a less than 6% chance of getting pregnant and um, miraculously got pregnant. And then I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more later <laughs> throughout our conversation today, like how that had such an impact on me. But um by the time our daughter, Micah May, was born. Um, she's adorable, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> she, she is a, she's a fun little girl. She's sassy, but she's fun. But by the time she, um, she came around, she came, was born in November, and then my husband leaves as a professional baseball player. They leave in February and come home in October of every year. So I took only a six-week maternity leave, um, went back to work out of the sphere of, losing my relevancy at work. And here I was with this baby (laughs) that I had dreamed of and fought for and truly, truly prayed for, for so long. And my life just turned upside down. And so we realized because I was dropping her off at daycare at seven in the morning and picking her up from my mom's house at night because I couldn't get her in time, the hours that I was working and the way I was having to travel all over the state. um, I wasn't able to be a mother. I wasn't able to be a wife. I was burned out. I was just burned out. And so I was able to take a step back and uh, I said I was going to take about a six month to a year sabbatical and just be with my little family and travel, you know, do the baseball life with my husband. Um, But it obviously God had other plans because that (laughs) sabbatical only lasted for a few months when I was to teach in the leadership institute. Um, And I said no, and I said no, and I said no again but then it became glaringly apparent that this was something I needed to do, which is what landed me at Troy teaching 
um, leadership. And again, like I have my favorite part of this is they've allowed me to develop a curriculum for young women leaders. And we get to talk about all of the issues that face women today. So that was very long and I am so sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. It gives us a good back. And I had heard parts of that story, but I'll be honest, it made me tear up. I was like, man, you know, Kelly, one of the things that we talk about in waves is just the fact that you don't have to wait till you're 30 to start making waves for Christ. And you don't That's have, right. you don't have to wait. You can start today. And I love that even you talking about your, your zealous self at a young age, just like, feeling that prompting in your spirit and saying, I'm going to go after it. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going after it. I just think it's great. Um, yeah, God doesn't, he doesn't, there's not an age that he wants you to suddenly stand up and be brave and do something for him. He is, I mean, every person has been created and formed by him for a purpose that's even bigger. And like, we can start working towards that purpose at a young age. Yes, absolutely. Well, as we're talking about like this brave, bold, beautiful concept, I'm just curious for you, like what part of your day or what part of your week makes you feel bold, brave, and beautiful? <laughs> there is absolutely no doubt that the time that I feel brave and beautiful and bold is really when I am plugged in to God. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, cause the days that I don't know anybody that's listening, if you can relate to this, that, um, when I skip that time, my days always seem to kind of fall apart a little bit, yeah. Like they're not quite as, they, they don't come together in quite as cohesive way as they, what they do when I really focus on, um, spending my time with the Lord. And I hope that doesn't sound cliche, but it's true. Like that is truly when I have the clearest vision. Um, when I feel most connected, when things seem to make the most sense right. and my, my life that can tend to be a little hectic just because of our lives are just, my life is not a very, it's not a typical life where you have a husband and wife that are together all the time. And, you know, we are, we're both all over the place. We are, we call ourselves gypsies for a reason because there's just no, there's no predictability about our lives. So I, I feel most at peace and like I said, have the most clarity of sight and I feel the bravest when I'm really connected to the word, when I'm listening to worship music, when I am really just plugged in truly to God, because it's not about myself. It's not about my wants, my desires, my to-do list. It's about being really allowing myself to be open to be a vessel for him. That's awesome. I love that. It reminds me of, have you seen the meme where it's like a tiny little kitty cat and it says like, before I've had my quiet time and then it has like a big roaring lion and it's like, after <laughs> yeah. I've had my quiet time. <laughs> that's, that's the perfect, that's a perfect illustration of how I feel. Yeah. Okay. So who is a bold, brave, beautiful woman that you would love to have coffee with? There are a few, but I would say Sarah Bessie, who has, who wrote Jesus Feminist. I don't know if anyone has read that book, but if you haven't, I really suggest you do. Um, I love the reality, the, the way she makes the word so alive and so real and so tangible. And it's not in an academic way. It is in a, Hey, I have struggled with my faith and I've struggled where I fit into all of this as a woman, because the church can often tell you one thing that we as women have a role 
that we're supposed to fill and they misconstrue the word of God a lot of times in order to back that up. Right. And she is, she has struggled and she is, it's, it's almost like sitting down and having coffee with somebody in that when you read that book, because, and you feel so understood in reading her words. I would love to sit down and, and just pick her brain. I mean, I think that would be phenomenal. There's some other women that have made a huge impact on my life. Joyce Meyer is one. I would love to sit down with her, Beth Moore. And then there's the, my very favorite is Dolly Parton. So (laughs) (laughs) I consider all of them to be totally bold and beautiful and brave in a way that I aspire to be. And I would, I would jump at the chance to have time with any of those women. That's awesome. Now, what does it mean to be brave? Like, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What does it mean to be brave? I think, I I think it's a good thing, first of all, but I I really, when I was thinking about the topic of what we were going to talk about today, I really started digging in to scripture and I wrote a bunch down because I was like, what does it really mean to be brave from our creator's perspective? And I kept finding this theme. And I think, I mean, we all see it. Like how many times are we told in the Bible when we, to be courageous, right? But what comes before that? It always says, there's a theme says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take courage, be still and know that I am God. Like he is telling us that, oh, he says, what about the Lord will fight for you? All you have to do is keep still. Now then stand still and see this great thing that the God, that your Lord is about to do before your eyes. It's throughout the word. And so what I, you know, we think about for, at least for me, when you think about bravery, it sounds like something that you're supposed to do yourself. You're supposed to um, exert something or muster up some kind of strength on your own and doing your own strength. But what he tells us is real bravery is letting him go before us. It's, it's standing still. It's being strong enough in your faith to be able to go, okay, God, you're the creator of the universe. You can do this because we all as humans, we tend to expect, especially control freaks like me. And I am a recovering <laughs> control freak. I will tell you that. Um, you say recovering. <laughs> yes, I'm recovering. But people like me have a very hard time not arguing with God and say, okay, I've got this. I've got this. Um, I do. I consider myself to be a bold person. And it's funny because I also consider myself in my own strength. I would say I'm brave, but I also struggle with fear. I do. And it's something, especially after becoming a mom that almost went on steroids after that. <laughs> but I, um, I found that like real bravery for me is being able to, to open up my clenched fist when I try to keep my problems or the things that are facing me that cause me fear that where I think I have to be brave with my, within my own strength and I can unclench my fist and release it. That's real bravery. And yeah. he tells us over and over and over, be still, stand firm. I go before you. The battle is not yours. The battle is mine. Like he is saying, this is what bravery is. Bravery is really being able to release control and being, um, comfortable enough in the, in your weakness. And he says that his, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Yes. And he says there is, there is no fear in perfect love and he is perfect love. So to me, real bravery is being able to say, okay, God, you've got it. And I'm willing to stand here and be still until you tell me what to do otherwise. That's good. 
that, that heart of trust and of surrender takes really a lot of bravery because it, it's humbling yourself and mm, saying like, yeah. you are brave. <laughs> so I yeah. have brave. Um, so whenever we look at the Proverbs 31 woman, I love reading through Proverbs 31. And at times I, I said this on another podcast at times, I loathed the Proverbs 31 woman because yeah. she made me feel like I didn't do enough. Um, yes. but, what makes, <laughs> but looking at this in, in the light of bravery, what makes the Proverbs 31 woman brave? Well, I think first of all, and, and you touched on it when you said you loathed it, because I think most, I think it's safe to say most women growing up in church hate the Proverbs 31 woman <laughs> from the way that it's, from the way she is taught, because yeah. I wasn't raised to know the truth that it's really about honoring that it's, it's for men to honor that woman. It's not a prescription for a job description. Right. It's not saying that we have to do all of these things. Like it's not to instruct us that we have to be married and to have children and to like start weaving and, and cooking and doing all of the things that may not come naturally for us. So when I started to understand that in Jewish culture, it's that it's something for men to memorize, to honor and praise women yeah. rather than saying you must do the, these things. In fact, like there's only, I think there's only, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. There's only one real instruction in Proverbs 31. It's and it's true. not for women. Yeah. It's when it says you're supposed to praise her for all of her, all her hands have done. That's not for right. women. No, it's think about that. Like that. <laughs> I think when we, when we really change our perspective as to what Proverbs 31 is, we can suddenly go, wow, this is incredible. It's right. not, it's not telling us that we have these, as that the scripture celebrates valor. Mm-hmm. For me, that's when I started to go, okay, I get it because it's a celebration or an encouragement. Um, And I've read that there's another way to interpret that in the Hebrew language. And it's basically saying carry on warrior. So you think about that. What is a warrior? A warrior is brave. And that is to me that celebrates that it's a way of saying, you go girl, like you're awesome. Like it's a way for us to celebrate each other rather than saying you must do these things to be honorable or be valid, you know, have valor because valor isn't so much about, it's not even about what you do. It's about how you do it. So if you're going to work at Starbucks or you're going to be a CEO or you're going to be a stay at home mom, whatever you choose to do, do it with valor. That's That's bravery. It's being able to say who you think I should be. Doesn't matter. These boxes that you think I have to check aren't real. That's not what God has put out for me to do, but what he has called for me to do, I'm going to do it with excellence. I'm going to do it with valor and I'm going to be brave in the way that I do it with excellence so that when I am finished on this earth, he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So, I mean, I think that is a few years ago, I was carrying around a lot of self-condemnation. I would say, you know, I I think us girls, and it starts at a young age. I don't know if it's from watching our moms or watching other women, but it's like we suddenly have these to-do lists of of like things that I've got to get done and I'm not living up to my standards or to the world's standards if I'm not doing all these things. And a few years ago, um, I had gotten a lady that would started to come and clean my house every now and then. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking like, oh no, like, look at you, like you're, you can't even take care of your own house. Like that was like my mindset. And I had this like self over it. And then it was like, 
I, I was doing a Proverbs 31 what, study with some young girls and I was rereading it and I was like, it says that she provides for her maidservants. Woo! There you go. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I was like, look, and, and I started thinking about it and I thought, well, for me, in order for me to do the things that I need to do in ministry, I might need help at home. Like, and for that's sure. okay. For somebody Absolutely. else, that might come supernaturally for them. Um, yeah. but I think we have these like concepts and it's like, man, that she does whatever it is with valor. I love that you said that. And it's yeah, not, I mean, you look at the different like, examples in the Bible too. I mean, that is, you know, look at Ruth. Okay. For instance, Boaz called her a woman of valor and she wasn't remarried. She didn't have children. She right. wasn't a woman of, um, influence, but he was calling that what she was doing he called her a woman of valor. So she is not called that because she was doing these jobs that the world told her to do. It's because she lived her life with bravery and with strength and with valor. I mean like those and with wisdom. And he recognized that in her and said, this is who you are. Has nothing to do with what job you do. I mean, and that's what I wish that like pastors would look at um, scripture for the strong and capable women that are completely throughout. Like think about it. It is, Sarah, Deborah, all the Marys, Esther. I mean, it is, these are strong and capable women that weren't, it wasn't about the job they were doing. It's how they were doing it. Right. And I think that would be so healthy for the church. It's like, we didn't focus on marriage and motherhood and, you know, being domestic as making us who we are. That's not, yes, God created some of us for that, but not all of us. Mm-hmm. And God didn't, I mean, God gave you the gifts that he gave you to run these incredible ministries and to be his hands and feet. Okay. Well, cleaning your house is not something that may, it doesn't fit into that. And that's okay. But that is, I am not called to be a baker. <laughs> I can't bake. I'm not even that great of a cook. Like, but that doesn't make me less of the woman of valor that he's created me to be because the things that he has gifted me with, I'm going to pursue with excellence, but I'm also going to be able to recognize that these other things may not be my gifts, but it doesn't make me less than. And it's something I think all of us, you know, what you said, it struck a chord with me because I am the first to beat myself up. Yeah. I, I try to live to this level of perfection that God has not called me to live to. Like he's not called me to live by that human, right. inf- that self-inflicted perfection. Like who has defined that for me? Right. And I think we have to take a step back and say like, okay, who, who, where are we getting these roles that we think we have to fill right. when they don't come naturally to us? So what you said really rang true to me for well, sure. Well, good, good. I was just curious. So when have you been brave in your faith or just in your life? Like when have you yourself stepped forward in bravery that we're talking about? Um, there are a couple of times that stand out to me. Uh, it's funny, like my, my name, you know, I'm a big believer in the meaning of your name and call the, what we name people. That's one reason we named my child Micah was because it means gift from God. And I wanted, when we spoke her name to speak those things out in her, to call them out when we speak her name. And so my name actually means brave or warrior. <laughs> and there have been so many times I don't feel brave. I don't. I mean, there are many times I'm like, oh God, why is this my name? Like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm living up to this. Um, but again, those are me trying to inflict my worldly standards and live up to a level of perfection that's not real. But I was thinking about this and 
when I've been brave and there are two times that stand out to me and because they are in two totally starkly different ways. Um, one was about the action that I had to take and one was about the bravery of standing still. So there was one case in particular um, that I it came across my desk when I was pretty new to the office and I, but it, it immediately I knew like what we had in front of us was something significant because it was a little girl who was the product of an affair. She lived in, and I, I tell you that for a reason, like she lived in um, the projects, like she was, she didn't have any influence from the world's right. perspective. Um, her father did. Her father, who was, had another, had a wife and a home and was connected to all of the right people. He was a policeman and he began raping her at a, when she was four or five. All right. Wow. And so she, <laughs> I want to talk about bravery. Like the kids that I worked with and the cases that I prosecuted real bravery. If you ever want to see real bravery, you look at a child or anybody who's been a victim and goes through with a prosecution. That is bravery. Yeah. Okay. So this little girl came out and she told her story and nobody believed her. She is mm. eight years old at this point. And she continues to tell her story and she continues to be rejected by the local prosecutor. Then it came to our office. One of my, um, somebody that didn't work at the office by the time I got there said, no, we're not taking this case. This man was connected to all of the right people. He was connected to the mayor, to the people at higher up in the government. He had all the right friends, but he had this little girl over here who could do nothing for anybody. All right. And so what you saw happen, and I took this case by the time I was given permission to prosecute this case, which I was told numerous times I could not prosecute it. And I kept going back and kept going back and kept going back until my bosses changed. And then I had a new boss that gave me permission. Well, we had to take it to the grand jury a couple of times because of jury tampering, because people knew him. And I had one uh, person on the grand jury at one point say he could have done it in front of my eyes and I still wouldn't vote for this prosecution to go forward. So, I mean, it took five years to get this thing to trial, wow. five years. And I knew all along we were going to lose. And it's not because the facts weren't on our side. It's because of what we were up against. And we went into court. It was a huge thing with the press. Um, it was in the biggest courtroom in the courthouse. Almost every seat on his side was filled. She had no one. I had to ask my parents to come to the trial and sit through the trial so that she would have support. But oh my gosh, that makes me want to cry. But, I, but here's the thing is that, oh, I still, I still cry thinking about her because she knew at that point because she had been through years of this, of being interviewed over and over and over again and being rejected by so many people. She knew what she was up against, but I knew I had a job to do because I said, even to my boss, I said, do I think we're going to win this case? No, I don't think we're going to win the case, but I need to tell her that she is worthy of a fight. Yes. And that her life is worthy of a fight. And that, I mean, that is just, wow. So we went in, um, the case went on for over a week and it was an Easter weekend and the jury deliberated till 2 AM on a Friday on good Friday. And then they finally let them go. And 
chance to, because it was taking them so long to argue this out. And we came back after Easter weekend and one of the jurors had to be dismissed because he had posted something on social media. And I knew at that point, I was like, they're going to bring in, <laughs> um, you know, someone else to sit, you know, to make this decision. And then we ended up losing the case. But that little girl was the one that remained the strongest the whole time. And she said, she thanked me and she came to my house for Easter. We're still close. Like she's now, I mean, this was years ago. She's about to start college and she, but she just said, you know, you believed me. Somebody fought for me. And so that, wow. that I say it was me being brave. It really wasn't. I was really, I think I was, um, I was pulling from her. So I, I was using her to make me brave in, in the face of a situation. Like or it got to the point, um, and this was in, not to mention the fact this was in my hometown, that <laughs> I, because of him being on the, on the police force, like it got to the point for a while I couldn't even drive through the town because I was, we were worried about the police ah. and being pulled over. And because I was, I was public enemy number one. Right. So, I mean, it was doing it in the face of the world telling us no and still doing it anyway. So that was, that was one time, but again, I can't attribute that bravery to myself. Um, the other time was, and I mentioned this earlier, by the way, have you had any podcast people come on and give you these lengthy answers? <laughs> yeah. I'm just giving you books. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> wonderful. You're doing great. The other, the other time was, and I mentioned this earlier about my daughter, um, we were not supposed to get pregnant with her. We did against all of the odds. And, um, I was about 15, well, I was about 12 weeks pregnant when I went in for an ultrasound and they, they said, something's not right. And so they sent us to a fetal medicine doctor, um, who then said, and they, we chose a fetal medicine doctor that I was told was pro-life and was a believer and was going to make the situation easier for me. And it was the exact opposite. It was horrific. I mean, it was horrific. I sat on that table. Here I am pregnant with my first baby that I had dreamed of my whole life. And they said all of this stuff was wrong with her. I still don't even name the syndromes by name because I believe it still it breathes life into it. And I, I, I committed on that day not to do that. But even one of the results was that she would die when she was born. So I remember, and he just, he told me all of this. It was very black and white. Um, very medical. <laughs> and he just said, well, you have some choices, but, um, you need to just figure out what those choices are. And he walked out of the room. And mm -hmm. I remember sitting on the table and I thought it, I didn't think, I mean, I heard it in my spirit. You have a battle in front of you and you can, and I heard the verse, um, from Deuteronomy. I, I set before you this day, blessings and curses, but choose life so that your descendants may live. I just, I, that played over and over in my head. And I thought, this is a choice. I have to fight this and I have to fight this on a faith level. Um, and I came home, it was the, the office, the fetal medicine specialist was two hours away. So we came home and I opened up my Bible and this was very unlike me. Cause again, I told you I was a control freak, right? So I usually I'm going to go through all of the things that I can do to fight a situation before I let God come in. Like that's right. something, again, I'm recovering control freak. So I sat down in front of my Bible and I opened it up and I started going through the new Testament and looking at the miracles that Jesus performed. And I started writing down, like just furiously writing everything down and saying, if he can do this for them, he can do this for me. 
-hmm. And I, I made a commitment. My mom came over and we talked about it and I said, I'm making a commitment to not talk about this with everybody. I'm only going to certain prayer warriors that, I mean, I know that can trust are going to hit their knees and right. fight the, the fight of faith. And we went on um, for about a month and a half, still not knowing. Then we got the call that another test after we'd gone to another fetal medicine doctor. And he says, she looks okay. Like, I think this is going to be okay. But even then we had a nurse call and say, you're not out of the woods yet. And then after that, she was diagnosed with other issues that were totally unrelated to what they initially said. So we went our whole pregnancy really thinking, okay, well, she keeps getting cleared. Right. But there's no for sure answer here. But I had the, it's so funny because for the, we haven't talked about this yet, but our connection with Jean Ann McNally, yeah. um, Jean Ann was one of the very first people that I called. And, um, she said, the, the first thing she said to me is the world's report is not God's report. You do not have to accept this. You are going to claim the healing that he died to give her. And you're going to pray over that, pray that over her. You're going to fill your head with worship music and scripture. And you're going to stand on that word and you're going to stay. She said, you're going to stand still and believe. Wow. And that's what I had. It was a minute by minute fight. Even after she was born, I was still going, okay, God, is this going to come out later? Like, are we going to see this later? And so those are two starkly different battles that we had to fight because we had to fight them in different ways. Right. One, I was called to go forth, like pick up my armor <laughs> and fight the battle. And the other one with Micah, we had to stand still. We had to be brave enough to go, okay, God, this is yours. Like you're going to have to go right. before us and you're going to have to fight this for us, but we're going to believe we're going to stand still and believe. So those are two times in my life that bravery really stands out for just totally different reasons. I love that. I love that because it's true. Sometimes bravery is being still and sometimes bravery is walking forward <laughs> and it depends right, yeah. on the situation on which one you're going to need to do. You know, what surprised you most in both of those situations um, about bravery? Like what surprised you most? Uh, the other thing I didn't say, I didn't tell yeah. you all is Micah was born totally healthy, totally Woo! healthy. I mean, so that is she, and even the doctors called it a miracle. So what surprised me about bravery is, and this is embarrassing, um, even through, I became a Christian at a very young age. I didn't become a really walking, believing Christian because I questioned my faith when I was about 16, 17 years old. Um, and then I came back and was really, I really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and really understood at my first Joyce Meyer conference when I was 21 years old. And that's when things changed for me. Um, so I'm shocked. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say this because I've been a, a, a quote unquote Christian for so long, <laughs> but I'm still shocked when God shows up the way he does. I mean, yeah. that is when we are obedient it, but it's still like, I mean, I go into this going, I know you can do this, but it's still, I'm still amazed. Maybe, you know, it's not so much surprise. I'm just, I'm amazed. He never ceases to amaze me that when I al allow him and I turn my weakness over to him and I am brave in that way, how he really, really shows up. I mean, it even, it happens on a daily basis. And I, I was, I was out exercising yesterday and I was having this conversation with him saying like, God, I, you know, cause we were facing some things over the last 48 hours with our family. 
And I just said, God, help me, help me be brave enough just to hand this over to you and not try to work this out. Right. And y'all, the minute it it wasn't the minute it was like later on yesterday, he, he showed up and he took the battle from me and he took something that was really scary for me and that I thought I was going to have to quote unquote do. I thought I was going to have to do all of these things to fix the situation. And he fixed it for me. I got a phone call at 1230 last night from somebody and it made it clear that he had just gone before me and done it. He had, when I turned it over, he just did it for me. And I think that's the thing about bravery that always amazes me is how he just shows up. If we just let him, if we remove ourselves and get out of the way and just really stand still on his promises, he's going to show up. It may not always be the way we, the way we want him to, but he still is going to show up. It's true. And it's so funny because he'll show up um, like a, I mean, like a warrior hero on a horse Mm -hmm. in a way, but he shows up differently every single time Mm -hmm. I feel like, and and in ways that I couldn't have dreamed up. Like whenever I start to hand him my, my scenarios or whatever I'm worried about, it's crazy how he will come up with the most creative solutions that I would have never (laughs) come up with. And I'm like, really? Like, that's amazing. Like you just cleared that path for me. That's right. Um, he's so good at that. And I, I love that. Um, well, and I, I think, you know, as you were talking about writing down every single time in the gospels, like when he healed somebody, like I know of myself, I've, I've done the exact same thing, Kelly, I have gone. And yeah. I mean, even in the last two years, I've sat down with the word and I've gone, okay, God, you, you did this, you did this, you did this. So this should be easy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that is, it's, if we just, if we plug ourselves into his character, if we really try to connect with who he is, it's really easy to say, trust God, but how do you trust somebody that you don't really know? I think if we make it our job to learn who he is, we have a better understanding of how it applies to us. He is a God that cannot lie. His promises are yes and amen, and they never return void. And if we can remember that, he thought of our faces when he was on the cross. Yeah. He did that for us. He, he wanted to take these things and even the mental anguish that comes with fear and anxiety. He, he wore that crown of thorns to take that on for us. Yes. Absolutely. And if we can just start saying, okay, God, I see who you are. Mm-hmm. If we get to know his character. It becomes impossible not to believe him. Yeah. And how it applies to us. That's good. I love that. I love it. So, what does it look like um, to walk out being brave with your faith um, whenever you're a teenager or when you're in college? And I know you see this day to day with a lot of your college students, but I'm yeah. just curious, like, what do you think it looks like? This one kind of knocks me over a little bit because I think about um, what does courage look like? And now is the time where you're called to courage more than ever into bravery because it's really easy sitting on the side that we're sitting on after we've been through some life to be able to say what we wish we would have done or we could have done or like what bravery looks like. But it's different when you haven't been through so much of life to be brave and bravery to me looks like it's the courage to be different, to take the narrow path. That's not so popular. And that is hard. And this is coming from someone that often chose to take the popular path, the wider path, the easy way is not wide. 
Right. But that's not typically where Jesus, where Jesus resides. Right. Typically you're going to find Jesus on the narrow path that other people aren't choosing. So, I mean, to really be able to, to risk people's opinion when, when you're young and that's, that is the center of everything. It's, it was that way for me, but I see now like what the moments that I lost because I chose the wider path and I chose the popular way instead of being willing to stand up for the unpopular things to be willing to stand up for the unpopular people, the unpopular choices. Um, gosh, like that's what I pray for my daughter. I remember when I was pregnant, sitting in her room and just praying the same thing over and over and over again, that God would give her a tender heart that broke for what breaks his heart and a strong backbone so that she would have the bravery to walk into a lunchroom and sit with a person who has no one sitting with them or to make the choices that aren't popular and to be brave in that way, be a, be a wave maker, be a kingdom builder, be a world shaker. But again, you're typically not going to find Jesus on that wider path. He is going to be on the one less taken, yeah. the one that's scary because he's waiting there with open arms going, if you just trust me, I can move. I can show you even at a very young age, what your calling is. I can show you the difference that you can make in the world, but you have to be willing to make some hard choices. And that is hard. That is tough, but that is what to me, real bravery is at a young age. I wish that I had started earlier. I wish that I had been less consumed with what people thought and what the popular choices were um, and more consumed about with what my savior and my father said I was and what I could do. Right. I love that. I, I think that's amazing. Cause I think for, for so many of us, and even as adults, we are like this at times that we just want to fit in. And yeah. that's, I mean, part of middle school, high school and college is like, okay, I want to blend in as much as possible. I don't want to stand out unless it's like in a, in a, like, I'm going to be praised for it sort of way, but right. to do something that the Lord is asking you to do or not do is oftentimes not always the popular thing. And right. so <laughs> that does take bravery. I think you're right on point with that. Um, was there anything else you wanted to make sure and put in there or share? Um, I probably, as soon as we hang up, I'm probably going to say yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> no. typically how it goes, right? I just, I, I love, uh, something that you, that you talk, you said briefly at the beginning, but you have such a heart for justice and I think bravery, and you had that as a young girl and you still have it today, but I think bravery, um, is having a heart for justice and, and that mm -hmm. Proverbs 31 woman um, and even us just being women of God, like our heart for justice, for doing what is just in the eyes of the Lord, um, does take bravery. And so I think that's, that's a neat thing just to see in you too. So sorry, y'all heard little feet and her yelling <laughs> behind me. This is, this is corona, corona land we are living in. But yeah, no, I think that's the thing is like figuring out, you know, some of us may not figure out at a very young age what our calling is, but you can start tapping into it by thinking about those things that light your soul on fire, not to sound cheesy or cliche, but it's true. The things that, the things that make you excited and really pique your interest and the things that you want to talk that come easily for you to talk about, that's typically giftings from the father. Like he is, he's showing you, the gifts that he's giving you by that, that burning that's in your chest that comes up. And that, that started happening for me at a young age when it came to justice. And I started seeing like that is he can use me 
he can use these passions he's given me for a, a greater purpose and for his good That's and good. for the furthering of his kingdom. And so I think just being able to tap into those things that really do that for you, that, that make you passionate, that's going to be whatever it is. It can be art. It can be justice. It can be math. It can be science. Like what is it that really causes you just to light up? And typically that's the father nudging you saying, Hey, I'm giving you this for a reason and start tapping into that. How can you use that for him? And I think that's really important. I, you know, there were times in my life that I lost that, that, purpose. I really started making it about me. But I think if you start really, really at a young age, doing what I said earlier and really digging into who he is and what his character is and seeing how much he loves you and how much he's called you to be a world, a world changer and a kingdom builder, um, it's going to empower you to use these things and the giftings that he's given you for a greater purpose and for a legacy down the road. I love that. I love that. And I mean, it's, it's a thing too. I see you doing this, even as you teach your classes at Troy, that you're able to take and encourage others. I think whenever you do finally figure out like, okay, God, what have you called me to do? You want to encourage others to go and do the exact same thing. Um, yeah. I think is amazing. That, and that was really, people ask me, how did you make that shift from prosecuting to mm-hmm. teaching? It was not something I ever saw myself doing, but I think what we have to recognize is that God, your callings can change and shift over time. Like what you choose to do with your life may not be what you're doing at the end of your life. Right. And I had to say, okay, God has given me the gift of this child and this family. Where are my priorities right now and how can he best use me? And that's why that sabbatical that I thought was going to last so long (laughs) didn't last that long because I caught the vision of, okay, I may not be prosecuting cases in court right now, but I can build up other women leaders to see their potential and how they can go on and be legacy builders and world changers that right now, my calling may be different five, five years from now. Right. Okay. I mean, if we have, hopefully we'll have another child and, um, our, my calling may shift and I have to be open to that. And if you'd asked me that eight years ago, if my calling would ever change, I'd say, no, I'm going to be in a courtroom until the day that I die. But we have to be open to the nudgings of the spirit. We really do. We have to say, okay, when we start making it about us, we take our eyes off of him and then you're fighting yourself. And that's a lot. As someone that has done this multiple times, it's a lot harder and you don't want to have to do that. But if you're really walking in his will, things become a lot easier and they become a lot clearer. So true. Well, Kelly, we want to thank you for being on our Waves Ministry podcast today. It's been such a joy having you on. Thank you. I love hanging out with you and this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Well, girls, we just want to remind you that our Waves Girls Conference tickets go on sale July 1st. And so that is just around the corner. And so you don't want to miss out on that. At midnight, July 1st, they will go on sale for our October 2nd and 3rd dates. And like I said, Kelly is going to be a part of our conference this year. And we're so excited to have her in breakout sessions. Um, And if you would go on and like and review uh, our podcast, we would just love that because it helps us get the word out and we want the message of God just to to go out and not return void, but do exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, So we want to bless you today and I hope you have a great rest of the day, girls. Thank you for listening to the Waves Ministry Podcast. For more information about our ministry, check out our website, 
wavesgirlsconference.com and our social media at wavesgirlsconference. Today, we hope you start making waves in your home, community, and world.